Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Football is Life. And sometime death. I'm Niffer. And I'm Andy. And that was Andy. And we've got a special guest today. Why don't you introduce yourself? Hey there, everybody. My name is Casey Holton. And you can find me on TikTok and pretty much everywhere as Casey's on the case. Yeah, we're so lucky to have Casey with us today. Andy's having some internet problems, which, of course, the first time we have a real guest, this happens. No problem, though. We're just going to push through and he'll jump in as he can. So for the folks at home, that's what's going on. Um, Cool. Casey, tell us a little bit about how you got started posting soccer content on TikTok. Yeah, so I had always dabbled in it, like a little bit around um, before the Men's World Cup when I started getting really concerned about what was going on with the U.S. men's national team and how things were looking. Um, so started doing it then, but wasn't super consistent. I am, uh, as I note, probably more than I should. I'm a trial attorney, so I've got <laughs> a decently demanding day job. Um, kind of backed off yeah. around then, and then right when he got rehired in June um, and the USA Mexico <laughs> game, and that was just like a chaotic night. I broke it down, yes, and then that was pretty much from there. I only have posted soccer content on TikTok. Um, so it was fun. I've done the whole Women's World Cup, recapped almost every match, um, and provided previews for all of the elimination rounds. And so it's just, it's been fun. Yeah. It's a good community over there. Great. Well, uh, for sure, we'll post all the links um, around Casey, where to follow her um, on our social and also on this podcast. So you can do that. Um, for those of you who are just listening and we're in your ears, you can't see that Casey's wearing an Arsenal shirt. So she's made her allegiances known. That's fine. We won't falter too much for that. Um, but yeah, I wanted to talk with you about your thoughts on the current state of the U.S. women's national team. And, you know, uh, from your perspective, some people who maybe just check in every once in a while, talking about this being a disappointing run for our team. Um, other people have other thoughts. I'd love to know what you think about that. Yeah, I don't, you know, I didn't find it to be a surprising run. Let me put it that way. Just based on what we saw from Inanofsky um, and what we saw, you know, just leading up to it, it was kind of what you would have expected mm-hmm. to see based on what happened at the Tokyo Olympics. Um, so, yeah. You know, if you don't make changes, you expect kind of the same result. Um, it's been frustrating to hear some of the players talk about afterwards how they basically made their own adjustments for that Sweden match and that that was why that became a better outcome. So um, yeah. I'm curious to see what we're going to do hiring-wise, though, because so far, I think that's going to give us a lot of information about what U.S. soccer's priorities are with this team going forward. Sure. Um, personally, I would like to see us deprioritize the Olympics this run and just, you know, we'll put together the best we can, but yeah, I, I don't want it to be this high pressure. We have to get a gold medal thing. I think that that was really what completely screwed us over for this world cup. Um, oh, sure. we'll see what the strategy is going forward, but that would be my preference is let's get some more players in the mix, get more folks in who are between that age 24, 29, where that's like, you know, prime time. For them, so sure. Let's, let's see a little more people in that realm would be my preference. Yeah, are there are there any? Sorry, Andy, go ahead. I was going to ask uh, Casey. Do you think um, shifting uh, the team the the teams now? Uh, sorry, the players trying now to go to Europe, like a traditional soccer life, going to Europe. Do you think this is impacting our? Were our team, the national team, I feel 
there is nobody outside uh, Lindsay Horan playing in Olympic Lyon. Otherwise, everybody playing in NWSL. While we are not in attracting the players, the good players now, like England, most of England and most of Spain playing in La Liga and uh, English Premier League, do you think this is start to impact us? And we need to to ask Sophia Smith, um, Alpha Thompson, to start go to the other side, like the old days. We had they go play in Europe in the summer and they come play in winter in in WS. Do you think this is impacting the team? So it's hard to say. I think we're at a really interesting crossroads with what's happening with the European leagues and what's happening with NWSL. Um, you know, one of the things I've thought a lot about is as an American, do you have an obligation to stay here and make this league grow? Um, just from a philosophical standpoint on what we believe in for women's soccer. The problem is, of course, that our league is built like a traditional American league. It's built with, you know, parity being the priority. And as a result, you don't end up with those synergies of your top players on one team and you, you know, it's look how tight this league is, though. That's entertaining. So you understand why they want to do that. So um, it's all it's all kind of this mess of I understand the business reasons why this makes sense. Um, but it's also, I think, a very short term way of thinking about it. Um, longer term, we have big problems with um, grassroots soccer and what types of developmental structures are there. And when you don't have professional teams flowing, getting an inflow from grassroots, and when those two things remain segregated, you're not going to have interest in the professional team for the most part, but also you don't have the same development with your players. So um, right. it's a really long-winded way of saying that I think if we don't change the way that this is working in the U.S. and have you know, more access at a younger age to these clubs, then you're going to be left with it being the best option for players to go to Europe and play there at a younger age. So um, yeah. that's, that's kind of where we're at. It's a little bit, it, we got to start to admit that there's a reason these other systems have worked for so long other places. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Um, you know, it's both the, the MLS and the NWSL, um, our business first in their perspectives on on what uh, bringing soccer to America means. It's the money around soccer, not necessarily the talent, where I think U.S. soccer, at least philosophically, the way they talk about things, um, they want to see like higher professionalism and, and better uh, you know academy programs and all of these things. But there is a disconnect because it's, um, you know, butts in seats and jerseys on backs kind of mentality for those leagues yeah and i think there's just not a patience with like letting it grow the way it could you know the other way mm -hmm. so um yeah. i i don't know what the answer really is because i don't think you can rebuild it from scratch and do you just at some point start to admit that it's best for your players developmentally to start going abroad and playing in those systems i don't i don't know yeah. um we've done better with some of the academies on the men's side but the women's side is yeah. still very pay-to-play focused um you know, I looked at even just like the local clubs around, you know, where I grew up and where I played and it's like 3000 bucks a kid, <laughs> like a year. Yeah. Travel that's not, <laughs> How are you? Yeah. That's, that's not a good way to find talent, uh, out of obscurity for sure. No, no, yeah. it's, it's just not. So, um, I don't know what we'll end up seeing here. I think too, the other thing that like, always strikes me about this problem is, you know, I've been an Arsenal fan since I was a little kid. And when I played, like, I, I, I think back even if the idea that I could have played for Arsenal 
was like, if that had really been a thing, I don't know if I would have quit what I did. I think I would have kept going because like, yeah. that's just such a dream. And I think yeah. most players have a team in Europe where they have like the fact that you could put on that kit and, and go out there and, you know, play on that same pitch. I just, it's hard to beat that. And I don't know how you're going to. Um, so that's just something kind of magical that I think exists with these European leagues. And they're always going to have that draw. And it's been super smart for them to buy into essentially the existing IP or, you know, yeah. just to use, like, <laughs> <Totally>. terms. <laughs> totally. I think that's really true. Um, is there any, are there any current, um, players uh who are who are either on the roster or kind of on the cusp of the u.s women's team ro roster that you really think like if they could just get their opportunity would make a really big difference or group of players um both of the chelsea players right now um i'm really excited to see um what mia and katarina are doing over there um i think you know obviously makari was, in was injured and so that's been a problem but i think that getting to play at that higher level over at chelsea is going to be really interesting so, yeah, definitely. I'm sorry, Rupir has not joined me. <laughs> That's okay. Hi, Rupir. You're welcome to the conversation. We love it. That's so great. Well, um, I'd love to get your thoughts on um, the state of the U.S. men's national team, all of the coaching nonsense, et cetera. Um, just share your thoughts, Casey. Oh, I'm so scared. <laughs> I There's no retribution here. I mean, it's just like we all feel the same way. It's like... I, like you want it to be better you you have to hope right you have to hope and but at this point i haven't seen any signs any of it's better you know there's a lot of rumors on twitter that like greg and geo still haven't spoken at all and i just find that like deeply concerning they've had plenty of opportunity at this point yeah so i don't know if greg's just like hoping that he's gonna be so injured that he like never has to speak to him again which I, you know you don't want that from one of the players who could be a real contributor. Like that's, I think what's so like, if you could just cut him because he wasn't good, then whatever, like you could never deal with him again. But I don't understand why the Federation would select Greg with this towering over knowing that like 2026 isn't going to be here in a minute. And we have like all of this tournament play before then. I just think that like, we need to make a good showing in this run because we're hosting and it like, we don't want to be Qatar. You know, we want to be, we want to have been able to get in on our own and not be given a bid just because we're hosting. Yeah. And I'm nervous that we're not at playing at that level right now. You know, I am too. Um, and I want to make sure that we're getting opportunities to gain more synergy among those players as well. Um, we have a lot of players on the men's side that are playing at a really high level. Like, Ballistic looked great. He's, I mean, it's already just a massive change um getting to see him mm -hmm. at Milan that's been wonderful thrilled for him um really just thrilled for anybody that doesn't have to be part of the Chelsea disaster <laughs> <laughs> uh yes please thank you I'm leaving Bye. yeah that's just like anytime I see yes. anybody rumored to be linked there on the men's side I'm like <laughs> but um yeah, yeah. it's I, I'm nervous um obviously I don't think these friendlies in September against Uzbekistan um and Amon are gonna what is that going to show us? No. It's, what will that show no. us? It's just a morale booster. But that's so dumb. What a waste. Yeah, but it's also, you know, to be fair, I'm not super familiar with their programs. So they could surprise. They could have something different going on. But it's, it seems unlikely. So uh, it sort of feels like when the SEC teams play like a Mac school for the, 
you know, on their TV, on their homecoming. So they for sure will get a win. That's what it feels yeah, like. Yeah. Or I'm sitting here like, I'm a UCLA brewer and our first football opener is like Coastal Carolina or something. And I'm just like, why did we, like, there's only a downside here. If we lose, that's going to be the story. And if we win, nobody cares. So I don't really know why we booked that. Um, same deal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, okay. Well, uh, <laughs> I do really, so, uh, as we record, uh, the Spanish Federation just asked, uh, the coach to put his resignation in Casey unpack that for us a little more, um, thoughts. What? Yeah. I mean, the whole thing just like has cast this enormous shadow over what should have been like one of the most triumphant when moments for the women of the Spanish team. And, and here we are now we're like still talking about this gross coach. Yeah. It's, weeks later. Yeah. Um, complete 180 from last week. I, I'd be really curious and I'm sure at some point we're going to get some more reporting on what happened last week behind the scenes where Thursday, everybody, literally every outlet was reporting that he was stepping down at that meeting Friday. So I'd be curious to hear kind of from some anonymous sources, what changed, because I don't think that was poorly sourced. If everybody was reporting it and some of these other outlets really have to do their own, um, work on that. And I apologize. I'm now having, my husband has just come home. So the dogs are like freaking out. You can hear them. <laughs> Very That's excited true. to see him. Yes, they're always, <laughs> they're funny. always thrilled. Um, but we, you know, today now all the territorial presidents have requested that he resign. There's no mechanism for them to remove him. So it really is just this. The thing that has been quite odd to me is that they're, you know, publicly backing the interim president now, Rocha, who um, was the acting vice president under Rubiales. I don't think this is that different of a leader. He might just not be the person who did the thing. Um, but, you know, it's it's one thing that's been made clear, I think, across the last week is that this is an organization that has problems to its core. It is not isolated with yes. one person. Yes. And, and they were, they, you know, this isn't like the first time that the Spanish Federation have had, like they've, they've been, this has been a problem. And it was like, how are the women going to, uh, play in this tournament based on the history and so for it to be bookended it's just such an amazing run from these women they you know just really uh you know went above expectations and now here we are not talking about the goals not talking about the saves talking about the guys and it's just like so gross I think it's like an unprecedented to see all of the players coming together and even the men's national team like uh or the men some of the men who play um for spain kind of coming around these women it's it's really heartening to see but it's just how broken does the system have to be for everybody carte blanche to be like we're all gonna say that this is like unacceptable yeah it's it's crazy it's nuts it, it, it is just nuts and it's the thing that also strikes me about this is if this had not been on camera i don't think we'd be here um because without the camera, you'd have all sorts of the justifications and, you know, spin machine that the Federation has tried to activate this last week. It'd be working a lot better, but it's a lot harder to deny it when it's literally on video for everyone that I've seen. From multiple angles, like there's just like no getting around it. But the fact that they still thought that they could spin some of it into something different or um, you know, like she was like, she was, I, the, the, the victim blaming stuff is like just a, a cut above. I, uh, I was pretty galled and I feel like, uh, you know, you have to be around for like 15 minutes in women's sports to know that there's a lot of gross stuff that goes on. Uh, but this is, it's just so blatant that, you know, that there's such a culture of 
this kind of treatment because they would never have, this wouldn't have been the first thing that they tried. No, no, never. Yeah. So, well, um, I want to, I want us to end on a, on a happier note, boo to the, uh, Spanish coach. Let's get him out of here. Let's get some new folks in. Um, but, um, yeah, what's a, um, what's something from this year's world cup from the women's side that you, were really happy to see or maybe surprised to see? Um, I thought that it was a lot closer than it was gonna, than I expected, um, frankly. I think a lot of teams yeah. kept up um, in ways that I did not expect. That was great. Um, I was also surprised by the number of folks who were happily staying up all night watching matches because like, this was a nightmare time zone for anybody in the US. It wasn't particularly pleasant for folks in Europe. Um, so I thought that that was really encouraging for the game. Um, and I loved, I mean, Australia is just one of the, you know, obviously feel good stories of this because their whole nation got behind them in such a fun way. So I hope we can keep this momentum going. Um, you know, I know they're kind of calling it like their 99 over there. So I hope they keep the momentum going a bit better than we did in 99. I say as somebody who wishes that she still had her cyber rays kits from (laughs) WUSA. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yes. And uh, yeah, I think I think the the talk of investment in women's soccer globally, uh, like it really felt like it was one of those like rising tides, raise all ships kind of tournament. So I'm really happy to see that. Uh, excited to see where the future of women's soccer is headed. Really grateful to be like aware of it. I feel like a lot of my friends who I think even like would be open to it, they just the time zone, like they didn't really get into this tournament. And I'm hoping that the next go around the Olympics, whether or not it's super important, that even that gives them a taste for what's to come. So really excited. Um, yeah, Casey, I have, it's been such a pleasure. Thanks for taking some time to talk with us. Um, I know Andy is so grateful. He's the one that was like, we got to get Casey on the pod. And I was like, I'm way in, let me know how to help, but he's such a go-getter. Um, so thank you for being with us. We'll have to have you back. Um, I don't know if you follow any NWSL teams or if you just want to talk generically soccer. I feel like I could talk about almost any league at almost any moment because there's so much going on. Yeah, I'm right there with you. But we'd love to have you. Yeah, back. I'm actually I'm a ACFC fan. So yesterday's outcome was great for me, and then I'm also an LAFC fan. I was a season ticket holder there. So uh, while Arsenal okay. is my oldest allegiance, I definitely have you know other teams I follow. I'm like you. I can pretty much talk about any league if anybody ever wants to come and do a deep dive on. <laughs> or like a Swedish league too. I can, I'm happy to do it, but yeah, thanks. I love yeah, it. Thank you for having me here. This was super fun. You know, uh, bummed I didn't get to talk to Andy as much, but you and I had a great time. Yeah, this was so fun. And we hardly ever get to just be women on sports. Yeah. So great, great for us. Um, but yeah, I'll make sure that everyone can follow you. Will you say again where people can find you on TikTok? It's at Casey's on the case uh, with C's. And that's me on Instagram. And that's me on Twitter and threads. But most of my soccer content's on TikTok. So if that's what you're looking for, that's the best place to find me. Yeah, you definitely want to follow her. She's got all the great insights. Thank you for being with us. Um, we're just excited to get to talk about soccer. And so we'll definitely have you back. And uh, yeah, for me and Andy, thanks for being with us. Thank you.